0: All right, thanks for joining us for this episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. This is one of those topics that probably uh, a lot of people can relate to. Well, actually, hopefully not, because school administration conflict is nothing that any family enjoys, I'm certain. So we have a group of parents that are joining me today who have some... um, personal experience with school administration conflict and so we're I'm gonna have each of them explain what their conflict was with administrators and um, also two things that they have found have been um, helpful in working through some of those um, conflicts. So let's start with Bonnie who's to my left.
1: Hi I'm Bonnie I have um, two boys on the spectrum and I would say Probably the biggest problem I had with my son Evan was um, he, after he exited the preschool portion and it was time to, for him to go into the DI classroom. Um, our homeschool does not have any uh, special ed services at all, so we've never been to our home school. And so we were at a different school as it was. When it came time to the DI classroom, I asked to meet with the teacher, see the classroom, and um, it just really wasn't... Uh, up to what my standards were for my son i don 't know how to put it nicely, but so what, like, what
0: about it was not
1: well in they only had one class. And so we're talking kindergarten through sixth grade. We're all in the same class for special ed, you know. And and some of these kids had be, right? And some of these kids had behaviors. So you're talking like my little five year old going in with a sixth grader that has behaviors. It's a little scary situation. And then he was on um, a special diet at the time. The teacher didn't know anything about that. And then when I requested about like how do you do lunch? How do you do recess? Well, they go out with everybody else. Okay, well, who's watching my son, though? Because he's an eloper. Like, I need to know that he's not going to escape. Well, we have these two ladies out there watching 300 other children. I need to know who's watching my just son. Just
0: curiosity, do those um, nice ladies know how to scale a fence to get to a right. child before they get over? I mean, I'm just asking. Because, For like, sure. I, I yeah. know so many that are fast little, like, fence jumpers, you know? so yeah.
1: Right. So, then, you know, so we came. We had, a, we had some meetings and stuff, and the, the district people came, and they just kept not really coming up with a solution. And I just, like, I don't feel that this school is going to be the school that we need to stay at. And there was a fight back and forth and back and forth. And then finally, um, they did give in. I think at that point they just didn't want to deal with me anymore. And they actually said that I could pick uh, the school that he went really? to. So. Because um,
0: I have to be honest, I don't see very, I don't hear of many success stories where, you know, families are not happy with the school placement. Uh, maybe it happens more than I know and people just don't
2: like talk about it. So what do you think caused you to be successful in that?
1: I think just keeping at it, keeping at it. I, and I told them that I, it was my suggestion. I said, I want to pick what school he goes to. And I understand that they have to have the staffing there and I get all those logistics. But if I find a school that fits his needs, what is the reasoning? If, you know, their staffing, if they can fit him that he cannot go there.
0: What did, Was transportation a factor?
1: No, I've always taken my kids to oh, okay. school. So no transportation factor, anything like that. And so um I do think one thing that was successful is even though I wanted to wring their necks, sometimes, I didn't get upset with them. I didn't yell at them. I just kept... even better when you're like super cool right, chill about it. I right? just kept coming back at them really calm. You know, I just don't think this is a solution for my family. So then... I went to another school, they let me check it out, I really, really thought the program was great, um, and that's where he's been, and, um, but then it did happen last year, that all of a sudden, like a week before school got out, oh, we don't have room anymore, because the budget cuts, and he's been there since kindergarten, and he's going into fifth grade, uh, he's getting moved back, oh. to, back to the original school, oh. that I had the problem with, and him and like three other people. And so I did call up administration. I talked to the head of the special ed department and I said, How did you know, was this a lottery? Was this, I need to know how this came about first. So she said, Well, no, we made choices. I said, How did you make these choices? Did you make them on their level? Like, who could handle a move and who would regress because of a move? Like, how, how did you make these choices? Mm-hmm. She really didn't have an answer for me. Well, I'm not the one that makes the choices. Okay, well, who makes the choices? And I and so anyways, we get all down to this, and she finally says, it seems that you don't think this is going to be a good fit for your son. Well,
0: who loves their child getting moved around when they're finally being right. successful? This is where they've been since... I mean, who's really going right. to be like, yay? Like, yes, pick me, pick me. I know.
1: And so then she said, okay, you know what? We'll just work it out. We'll let him stay. And so then I said, well, for future... I really think that you guys do need to sit down and don't just go, like, like they they finally came out with it. The only reason he was moved is because the other school was two blocks closer to our home than... It was just geographical. And there needs to be another reason besides geographical, you know? Actually,
0: that's where you want... That's actually where you're like, can I get a prior written notice on that one? Because I want to see that one in right. Yeah,
1: and, and, and then I did feel bad because a couple of the other people's parents found out that Evan got a stay, but... Um, it, it, for him being solo functioning it was, it was not going to work for him. Mm-hmm. And then you fast forward to Jackson, it was a bigger fight. Um, he was exiting the preschool program and he was going to kindergarten in gen ed. And I asked for an aide. They said, no, I said, look, he's an eloper. He's, he can't go to the bathroom by himself. I need to know who's going to do all these things for him. The teacher can't leave the classroom. So who's going to do all these things? If he runs out of the classroom, who's going to run after him, you know? We had about six IEP meetings. They all left up in the air. And um, I will say, I wasn't always on my best at these. It finally got to the point where, you know, there was yelling. And I'm not saying that's good, but, you know, sometimes you really do have to put your foot in the sand and say, this is not acceptable. And know that if you have to, if you're willing to, sometimes you have to go to court. And that's finally the last IEP meeting. I said, uh, we need to go to mediation. And, um, you know, court. Did you
0: mediate?
1: Yeah. Okay. And, and that's very um, intimidating because you go in a room. You're with the head of the special ed department. You're with one or two lawyers. You're with a mediator, and then, you know, we we didn't really have the funds to get a lawyer. So it was like me and my husband. So you
0: were doing it yourself.
1: Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you what I did. I Googled what would be like key things to say in these situations right and I came up with all these words and so I kept memorizing you know this is what they mean blah blah and I showed up there and the first time I said something it was kind of like okay they're looking yeah and by the time I got to the I feels like you predetermined and as soon as I used that word her lawyer the lawyers look over at her she leans in and says something and then she's like just give them whatever they want Hmm. and i'm like
2: did we just did we just win this so that's huge i think more than anything and when i tell you my story this is christine um I, i think that that more than anything is so telling we have as parents we have to even if it's just you memorize those keywords, we have to be educated about what our children's rights are. And that's key. Cause if you do end up going into a situation where you go to mediation, if you can't afford an attorney who is, you know, knowledgeable of educational law, like you can't just hire any old attorney. You need an educational Law attorney, and
0: I don't think just my personal opinion is there's really not a lot of attorneys that specialize no. in that. No, at there's least in not our area.
2: There's not, um, and I don't
0: know if it's just because it's such a speci- it's such a specialized um, type of law. Because you know my before Isaac Foundation life, that's because you know it's like after before Isaac Foundation, after Isaac Foundation. But I was in the legal field, and I have to be honest with you. Um, you know, I spent 18 years in law. And I don't know that I could actually give you a list of attorneys, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're used to, you know, sending you know referrals for different types of law. Don't know that I would actually have any for you. Um,
1: And you know what was really helpful too. So we did we did bring one person, but it wasn't a. um, So my good friend Jim, he's the one who started SOAR Behavioral Services. um, He, I said, could you just come and bring your briefcase and just like sit there so that like it seems like we have. (laughs) And he's like, he's like, he's yeah, like, for sure, definitely. Yeah. And so he said who he was. So they like thought, they didn't know what he knew. And I'm just like, okay, hey, we'll just do whatever you can. I mean, you really will do whatever you can. Yeah. they are probably
0: Googling his yeah. name like underneath the table. Like, <laughs> but I think law.
2: that's the Question kind mark? of thing that, I mean, I have found that when I've sat in IEP meetings with parents, just as sort of a friendly person, like I'm, and I roll in going, well, I'm just their parent advocate. I'm just gonna take notes and be an extra set of ears and eyes. And all of a sudden, again, if they know that somebody's taking notes, and when I do a quick little question like, Oh, let me just make sure I heard you correctly when you said that um there's no possible way that this person can be provided with this accommodation. I just wanna I just wanna make sure I have that really clear in the notes that it's it's impossible to, to do this accommodation. And they're like, Oh well, it, did I say it, impossible it's not impossible but you know in this and you're like mm-hmm, yeah so that's hilarious that you brought in a friend with a briefcase
1: yeah so I mean <laughs> and then sure enough on the you know we won and that was a really big win and then on the first day of school yeah my son almost made it out the second door to leave the school but he had the aid and that is exactly why
0: mm-hmm. you're <laughs> like hey can we just get this documented that oh, yeah. this happened oh yeah
1: and, and, I mean, now, you know, fast forward, he's in second grade. He doesn't have an aide, and he's capable to do, do the things without it. But, um, you know. And,
0: again, you're, you're comfortable with the fact that he doesn't mm-hmm. need an aide. But at right. the time, he did.
1: Right. So. And, 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 I mean, there's always going to be things that slowly, you know, that you're just going to have to fight for. But just remember, I think if I could give any advice is when they say, like you said, impossible mm-hmm. or no, it can't happen, you're the parent and at least you know know that you you know, sometimes you're not going to win and that and that is unfortunate but at least go to bat for your kid don't listen to the word no and
2: just you know fight fight it out as far as you can you know? well and it's not this isn't a you know well mom said no and that's the reason why we need to hold our school um our schools and our administrations accountable for giving us the reason why. You you tell me, and what I heard you saying in each situation is you kept asking them to justify their decisions in every situation, whether that was um, where they were going to place your student or why they were going to move him from a, a very successful program to why they wouldn't provide you know, a, a paraeducator for y- your other son. Like you kept asking them to give you more justification than, you know, well, mom said no. And that, you know, like we all do that with our kids um, because I said so. Well, yeah, that that doesn't work with, with education. It, there yeah. needs to be justification and reasons why they make the choices that they make. Um, and, all of those need to follow the rights of the of the child. Yeah. So and I think that kind of
0: piggybacking on what you're saying too, it's like in the medical industry, we are programmed to not question people in the medical industry. You're not to question doctors or ask questions or get clarification or You know, can you explain to me why I'm not eligible for this procedure? Like, at what point am I eligible? Um, And, again, it's kind of a taboo thing. We're not supposed to be um, asking these types of questions of certain people. And I do feel like it's kind of in that realm of the school districts, too. I mean, in some people's minds, you're just like, well, they must know. I mean, this is their Mm -hmm. area of expertise. Mm -hmm. So you must know better than I do because, I mean, I only have just this one child that has special needs and so like if you're telling me no then I guess you know you have a ton of experience and you know better than I do
1: and also but that's not the case well right and also you do have to give the teachers a little bit of a break because oh, yeah. they do not get to make these decisions no. and I, I especially in the situation with Jackson where we're trying to get the aid his teacher was trying to fight for that but at the same time was being told to be silent and it was really sad to watch because I just wanted to say, let her talk, yeah, let her talk, let her have a voice. And so I actually requested at the mediation that the teacher be there. And she, here she was, I felt bad. She's like this 60, 65 year old teacher. And she's like, this is the first one I've ever been to. Really? And I'm like, it's okay. First one for me too, you know, <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> they let her have her voice and, and say it, what she needed to say. And, um, I think that that's important, too, because these school psychologists come in and tell you about your kid. And then, like, with questions, I'd say, okay, did you observe this with my child? Did you, you know, because I think that, I would say, like, I think the teacher's input is a little more... Appropriate. She's observing my child every day. She's watching them go daily. through this. Yeah. She's yeah. With them
0: daily. Only like six, five and a half hours yeah, a so day, you're, you, but you know, whatever. Yeah.
1: So, so I mean, that's important too. Like, who's giving the information? Is this somebody that's never even spent, you know, they've read a written note, you know, and they've never even spent five minutes? Uh, your opinion's not going to weigh very much on me, you know? So, I want somebody relevant to the situation to come and say, if his teacher was like, you know, Bonnie, I've been in here every day. I really think he's going to succeed. You might be hovering a little bit. Uh, But that's not what she was saying. They wouldn't fully let her say everything, but she agreed with us. you know. So I I think you got to remember that, dude, the teachers are in
0: a hard position too. They are. I mean, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of politics in a school district, believe you me. Yeah, I agree.
2: Well, and teachers just don't get to make those decisions. They don't get to make staffing decisions. They don't get to make placement decisions. They get a list of kids who are going to be in their classroom, and, and that's it.
0: Yeah. So, Christine, go ahead and um, share with your, uh your story. But I, I do want to make sure that my two other parents that are here have unique backgrounds that you have children with special needs, but you also have worked um, in the school system. So let's make sure you explain that, because I think that you two, um, Tanya is also here with us, and so she'll share her story here in a minute. I think that you guys are kind of even... It's more interesting because, um, you know, you are a parent, so you know how to advocate, but you also have been involved in some of these systems, so you've seen it from the other end. So share with us, Christine, your Well, experience. I'm Christine,
2: and I have a 12, almost 13-year-old son, and he is in seventh grade this year. So we've been doing education for a while now. Um, I was a teacher for 10 years. I was a secondary teacher, so um, I... I truly have to give a lot of um, grace and I'm so thankful for those people who are willing to teach elementary school because I think that is really, really hard. Um, but I also, can I, ha-
0: can I just ask uh-huh. one, interrupt and ask a question because sure. this is something that, um, because your kiddo is getting older and so now you're doing the IEP, um, uh-huh. uh, in the, you know, secondary world, right. When you were a teacher, how many IEPs were you asked to attend? Because I am actually finding out cause I'm, you know, talking to, you know, cause I, at my two high schoolers, um, so they're in high school, I'm mm-hmm. the PTO, um, they're basically they're the president of their PTO Mm -hmm. so I'm just meeting more teachers and I'm asking more questions and it's just you know like I am finding out actually that they most of these teachers in secondary education are not actually Mm -hmm. being brought to the IEPs
2: no we're not Um, gosh I mean it's been a long time since I was a teacher but I cannot even remember a time that I was also um, I got my master's degree in school guidance and counseling Um, And then I was also a um, principal intern, and so I've sort of um, spent a very short amount of time um, in sort of that administrative arena. So between the the counseling and the administrative, I sort of see that other side. You know, you're not in the classroom; you're not. Right. I'm okay. Not in the see, that's what so. I, I'm
0: just like. Again, I'm just asking questions because yeah. I'm just getting to know yeah. all the teachers, and I'm just like, hey, out of curiosity, just yeah. because I have a personal vested interest because my son with special needs will eventually be at the school. Yeah. So I'm just kind of asking those questions, just kind of trying to as a secondary teacher. I was
2: not. I don't. I can't think of even one IEP meeting, and if I did have any um, <sighs> dealings with special needs students and and their needs. Um it was usually up to the special education or resource room teacher to come to me and say, well, what accommodations can we make for this student in your classroom? Can you provide me with extra readings or large text? You know, this, this, I would be told, like, this student needs large text um, for reading in your, in your, um, in your classroom. I was an English teacher, so a lot of reading. Yeah. Um, but truly involved at the secondary level no so i am going into that whole my son will be in eighth grade next year Um, and middle school middle school basically runs um like high school in terms of multiple teachers throughout the day um and so there there's a lot of people to bring to the table when we do have an iep meeting Okay, so so that'll bring so me yes, exactly. that totally segue into your story. To, um, my conflict. So my son has had a paraeducator since um, forever. Um,
0: so paraeducator, because I'm actually finding out different states call them different. So I don't know who's all listening to this podcast, but you know we're state of Washington, and so there's a lot of terminology when you're talking about teacher aid, paraeducator, one
2: on one, a one on one. Um, yeah all of those things it's just those teacher assistants those para educators in the classroom okay Um, and sometimes you get a one-on-one sometimes there's just a para educator in in the the classroom who all 30 students have access to so but my my son um, since the very beginning of his educational career and we're talking literally pre-k has had um, a para educator um, assigned to him so we don't Quite know how to do school any other way especially in general education classrooms so we um, were making we were making the transition from fifth grade to sixth grade and and for us sixth grade was in the middle school and so that meant that there was a complete change in the way my son's day was going to be he um, was now instead of spending say all day long with one teacher maybe switching over for a science project to another one of the fifth grade teachers. He, he now it was going to be run a lot like secondary education is where he has a locker in the hallway and he has passing periods in between and he's going to have four or five different, um, teachers, one science, one math, one social studies and English and a math, you know, that type of thing. And so the entire, structure for him um, of his school day and what it was going to look like was going to be completely different. And we had had the same paraeducator since second grade. So second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade. Same person, four years. Like let's talk about a subject matter expert on my child. Our paraeducator was second only to me. Okay. Like there's just nobody who knew him better. So we were told, and this is, this is, this should have been my, my very first um, red flag warning, and it kind of was, but it was one of those things where I was like, well, that's slightly odd. I get a I get a phone call in August, like three weeks before school starts, from the um, assistant superintendent for special services of our district calling me to tell me that our paraeducator was not going to move to middle school with my child because the middle school already had um, enough paraeducators for the children in the building and I went, Oh, okay. Now, did your parent educator want to move? Oh, over yes. With them? Okay. Yeah, That's, yeah. She okay. was. She was totally ready when we did the. So they in our district they have a huge transition transition meeting. So the elementary special education teacher goes and meets with the middle school education teachers. They talk about each you know child's case and what what their needs are and their. Now, I, are you P's part of this and, meeting, or do
0: they just do it on your behalf?
2: No, they do it on our behalf. You know, because it's like, it's teacher to teacher. Like, here's who you're going to get. Here's where they're at. Here's what their needs are. So it's a teacher to teacher. And and I'm completely okay with that. Um, And everything was set. Like, nobody had an issue with our paraeducator moving from the elementary school to the middle school. Because for all intents and purposes, she was sort of assigned, not necessarily to the building, because that was actually a question that I asked, um, that she was Assigned to the, the student. And since he was moving up, she was going to move up. Three weeks before school starts, again, assistant superintendent, that should have been my first clue. Why wasn't a building administrator or even you know the special education teacher at the at the middle school calling me to say, hey, we already have this many paraeducators? One will, you know, one of our paraeducators already in the building will be assigned to your student, blah blah blah. So I was like, okay. So that was weird to me, and I went, okay, I get a call and an email from the building, um, assistant principal who's in charge of paraeducators, confirming for me, yes, we have a paraeducator assigned to your child, blah, 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 Um, we get to the first day of school. Now, mind you, all of this communication has gone on like in just the f- days leading up to the first day of school. Nobody is telling me that anything is different. There will be a paraeducator. We'll meet them on the first day of school. First day of school. The paraeducator, they told me, was assigned to my child. We meet him. Hi, we'll meet you in the classroom. Great. woohoo! hoo um, I'm walking out of the building, you know, and I see the paraeducator and he and he says, "I'm sorry, but your um I'm not assigned to your son." I'm like, "Well, do you know who is?" "No, I don't. They've just assigned me to another student." "Go to the um Thank the God you saw that office. person." On I know, the right? Had I just walked out, I'm like, "Okay, my son is not going to know how to access lunch." um and it was a hot lunch and day and a locker it, he's he's going to struggle with his locker he's going to struggle with going and the building the 6th grade part of the of the building they had to exit that 6th grade part go outside to then access the rest of the building, like the gym for PE or the lunchroom or the office if if they needed anything. So I'm like, oh well there's a perfect opportunity while he's going from one building to another building without somebody for him to just kinda go, I'm out of here. I'm out, you know, I'm and head um, home. see you later. People. So I go into the office and they the office just says, Oh well we don't have anybody assigned to Cameron today and I went, like today or period. Well I yeah, it was I'm like Uh, oh, okay, what happened between, I don't know, this weekend, which was the last communication that I had with the administration here, and this morning, oh, well, you know, we've had some um, students sort of show up and we didn't know they were, uh, well, you know, we just, we had to just rearrange everybody's schedule and I went, and so that means that my child doesn't have the um, assistance that he's going to need. Oh, okay. So I'm it's going to. Writing. I'm going to be here. I, I'm. I have an appointment. I need to go to. He'll be in classes, so hopefully he can get to class to class, and the teachers can be watching for that. But I'll be back at lunch to make sure that he knows how to access, you know, lunch. He knows how to access, you know, this unstructured free time because the kids in the middle school, when they're done eating their lunch, they're allowed to go out on the fields. Well, the fields are literally bordered by a four-lane highway. Yeah, that sounds awesome, Christine. Um,
0: And And, and again, you're in junior high, so there's probably no like playground or anything. Because again, our kids are a little bit socially and emotionally delayed in the sense that, hey, where's the playground here?
2: Right. So I am literally on my way to my appointment, do my appointment, and on my way back, calling the district assistant superintendent who assured me that there was somebody in the building um, for him going, what the AF just happened you need to find somebody who's going to be in the building with my child because you assured me that this is the case I would long, say hey
0: and he could be that person I know figures, right long out.
2: story long um because they know me in the district and they know that I know how to navigate their sort of legalities and I know how to speak their language um There was, by the time I got back from my appointment, back to the building to do lunch with my child, there was a substitute paraeducator in the building with my son. Um, That, however, didn't um, take away from the fact that for the next um, seven months of the school year, this person remained a substitute paraeducator and wasn't like completely assigned to my son um, until after spring break. <laughs> and I just kept having to um, talk to building administration and district administration, going, You need to explain this to me. You assured me that this was, you know, a, f- a staffed position, you had the staffing. Because actually, our paraeducator ended up leaving the district. She didn't go with my son, they wanted her to go to a completely different school since they had um, you know, since the plan had been all along, all summer long that she would go to this school, her old school had hired, you know, additional staff. So she didn't have a job there. So they were going to put her in a totally different building. I mean, it was a, complete and utter so cluster. it would have actually made more sense for them to
0: have her move over to the new building right
2: exactly so i'm like why did you then not so she's not have, even working for the district no anymore? she's not working for the district anymore which is which is so sad that really frustrates me because when you have a really good person when you have really good staff and they make the decisions that they make and somebody chooses to leave the profession because of those kinds of decisions you just think great you know my kid and any other kid who might have come in contact with that really great person um won't ever have the opportunity to
0: yeah and you know you're talking about too consistency and yeah, yeah you mm-hmm. have this well this uh-huh. person that has so much um, rapport with your kiddo knows yeah. when to push them when they're yeah. getting escalated and we need to have that break and then yep. just gone Yeah, so. Oh, yeah,
2: our paraeducator could read my child like nobody's business. Like she knew any of his triggers and could head a meltdown off like nobody's business. Yeah. I mean, second to mom, really. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if there was a subject matter expert on my son better than me, it would probably be her. Yeah. So you
0: didn't actually, they, what I'm hearing from you is, is that they knew better than to challenge, um, the necessity of having an aid for him. So
2: they Correct. figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I had already made the argument that for his safety, this was a safety issue for us, um, for, um, his ability to access the least restrictive environment, um, It's funny because I hear a lot of people, I hear a lot of schools Mm -hmm. that are using that
0: language, least restricted environment, that a one-on-one actually... Negative. It actually to takes away that least restricted environment. No, it because doesn't. I know, and that's the thing is, but that's actually a and lot awesome of time. it allows them to be a part, part of. The least yeah. it, it, it allows that that they will to, use that yeah. as language to try no. and justify the fact that, well, if we provide this one-on-one for your child, that yep. creates a more restricted environment than. Yeah, that's BS. Blah, blah, because
2: blah. here's what they want to do. Here's what they wanted to do when my son moved to seventh grade. They wanted to have him in three resource classrooms and three gen ed classes well that means that all they would have to hire then is a part-time half-time three periods a day um, paraeducator for him because he'd only be in gen ed three periods a day because in the resource classrooms they already have a paraeducator yep. and the numbers are lower and et cetera, et cetera. so he gets more of that one-on-one and I went we are not putting my child in... Actually, they wanted to do it four periods of the day because he already does resource math and English. Then they wanted him to have two periods of life skills. And I went, two periods of life skills, basically like a study hall, an extra time to get his work done. And I went, that's four periods out of his day. No. Yeah. So we actually backed off mm-hmm. one of mm-hmm. his um, resource classes and he's he is ha- half and half. So he has three periods of gen ed and three periods of resource, which is completely appropriate for him, but the district was pushing me to have more resource so that they wouldn't have they would only have to have two hours of paraeducator time for him. And I went, no, we're not taking him out of these Gen Ed classes where he gets, you know, so much more, like he gets social interactions with neurotypical peers. Um, And he gets to be in gen ed. He gets to be in social studies, science, and he gets to be in, well, currently now he's in robotics. Like, how fun is that? Yeah. Um, I have a personal
0: invested interest in hearing your story because, you know, my son Caleb's in the sixth grade. And so he, this year, he's doing the three rotations between three teachers. And I have to be honest, not loving it um it's for it's a multiple tough reasons yeah. for multiple reasons um but we were told oh next year is going to be so much better because again he gets he so Caleb's 85% gen ed um
2: mm-hmm. and he's
0: actually pulled out more so at my request because I want to for right now it he the time he spends in the resource room and the learning support center for math um, reading comprehension um, and some just uh, social skills, it's just better spent for him because right. of some of the goals that we have set for him. But they're telling me next year is going to be so much better because he'll be in um, just a resource math. Like his math will be specifically for kids that are at that level, so that'll be great. And then same thing for English, um, e- English language arts. It's fantastic. But then they're telling me, but... He's not going to have any electives because he'll have two study halls. And I'm like, oh, well. That's
2: exactly what they wanted to do to Cameron and I went. And I said, well, we'll be talking about that because here's
0: the thing. Um, I don't give, like, two beans about uh, P.E. Just don't care about P.E. Yep,
2: Cameron Um, doesn't have P.E. And so we we'll be him.
0: yeah we'll be go ahead we'll elect out of PE so yep. that the child can get to do something that he really enjoys yeah. doing whether
2: that's or just and the, here's the argument we made when because we literally just had this discussion at the um, when we made Cameron's schedule is we pulled Cam out of PE. How hard was that?
0: Just incidentally, do I have a big fight ahead of me?
2: No. Okay. Not at all. Oh, good. Well, oh, one one because um, at it do, until high school it. it doesn't count. It's not like a graduation requirement. Perfect. And I already know that as soon as we hit ninth grade, it, because it, I think it's like two credit, or at least it used to be, you needed two credits of, of PE, and so you get PE a PE or
0: health, or is it have to be yes, a physical education? Yeah. So
2: gotcha. w- while Cameron may have to do one semester of of health, yeah. Um, the PE portion, because I'm sorry, the loud noises, the That's smelly, me. the changing the clothes, the he has to in go in a locker, locker room.
0: room. Oh my lord! I um, think we- ah!
2: all of that stuff would just be yeah. absolutely horrific for Cameron like yeah and they should be thanking me for just
0: opting out of that like I know right
2: thank me for not forcing but here's the really great thing is online school you can just online say hey you know what we'll take care of the PE graduation requirement um online PE and um you'll just have to document sort of like the different you know um physical activities so Cameron's involved in hockey once a week and in the you know winter time we ski and in the summer time we swim and I mean I am all about I will get him
0: physical education yeah
2: whatever outside physical you know stuff that we need to do if it's okay we go for a 15 you know one mile walk run around our neighborhood every afternoon like we will manage the PE credit to take him out of that gotcha. so that okay. he gets exposed to those elective classes. That's just like it. We it broke
0: my heart when you're yeah. like oh you're telling me he's not mm-hmm. going to have well no because he's going to have two study halls because that's yeah. what's going to support him nope. for his IEP and I was like yeah okay so when when are we going to be talking about this transition plan because that's what they were explaining in the fall yeah. they're going to have a big transition meeting They where they go to SAC which is where his uh, middle school is and they'll be meeting with the team over there and just to let you know though he's not going to end up having any electives because mm-hmm. in the, and nope. I'm like oh well I guess we'll be talking about that. Because the so. argument
2: I made for them is i said we are not in seventh grade going to limit our um, ability to find cameron's strengths and weaknesses yes so if only if he's exposed to those different elective classes whether that's music or art or leadership or robotics or flight in space i don't even know what I mean, there's a myriad of electives yeah. that um, they do just quarterly in our school. So every quarter he gets to do a try different... Try something different, yeah. He gets to try something different. So I said, oh, hell no, we are not pulling him out of that. Yeah. So we we I just said, no, he can have the one little life skills study That's hall what I class. I was saying, yeah. He gets his... Um, elective core, and then he has two other gen ed classes. So he gets three gen ed classes, three resource classes, and we still have that paraeducator. And again, I I truly just think one, I don't get a lot of the um, pushback or them um, telling me I can't have the things that I'm requesting for him because I go in with knowledge. Um, I think that's one of the things that I said with Bonnie is, even if you just memorize a few key terms or you, you come in with sort of best practices knowledge, like what is best practices? Best practices in terms of education is to expose students to as much as we can possibly expose them to and then offer them the accommodations that they need um, in order to be in those classes. And so I always use the you know, that educational terminology in terms of, I'm not going to limit his experience, okay? He needs to be in the least restrictive environment. And a paraeducator is simply an an accommodation. That is a reasonable accommodation that can be made in order for him to be given the opportunities that he's entitled to in the school. Correct, and I will say, um, so Isaac Foundation does
0: like a, it's an online six week guided roadmap to understanding autism. You two wonderful ladies are actually, um, Tanya and Christine are gonna be uh, my guests and it's actually this coming Wednesday is the live recording. Um, And we're talking all about IEPs and I'm gonna tell you here and right now, it is very challenging to get a one-on-one um, within the school districts. And so you really, Dr. Google is amazing for what things you need to have documented to prove why it is that your child needs to have a one-on-one for, you know, X number of, peri- you know, like hours out of the day. Right. And so just, you know, it just so happens that my guests that I have today have one-on-ones, but I'm telling you this is a very, very, so I don't want to get people the um impression that uh, one-on-one is easy and
1: my son doesn't anymore they did make it hard they kept we had to do a once a month evaluation to see every month that he still need the, and then I'd have to come to the meeting every single month explain again why he still needs the paraeducator and this was every single month until um I finally
0: felt comfortable that he uh, didn't
1: have it anymore. Yeah, because the goal
0: is, you know, like in a perfect world as a parent, I don't want my kid to always have to have a one-on-one because, you know, again, it's you're you're having to advocate a lot to justify your one-on-one, and every time there's a budget cut, it seems like, you know, the first um, line of layoffs end up being in special education, and it does impact that. So I just want to make sure that we're clear here that um, one-on-ones are complicated. So... um, Tanya, go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay. My name is Tanya, and I have a nine-year-old fourth grader
3: with autism. And um, I will say when he started off in kindergarten and first grade, we were in a different state in a different school. And while he definitely struggled, he was all over the place in kindergarten, I didn't have the conflict that I've had since moving. There, the administration was great. As a parent, you're a part of the IEP team, and they very much made me feel so. They always... asked for my suggestions on how to work with him, and the principal there was great. He didn't have a pair at the time. At that time, he didn't really need one, and then we moved. And as most people know, kids on autism with autism don't do change well. No. So true. moving <laughs> was a challenge. So we get here, he starts a new school, second grade, and he just couldn't handle it. Okay, so we started second grade at a new school, and I was getting constant calls to come pick him up. He, in that one semester, he was suspended a total of seven days. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So how often was that? Was, so he was suspended. What does a suspension look like? I was, Just for the day or was uh, it three days?
3: Uh, the longest he was suspended for was a total of two days at a time. Okay. But for a total of seven days in one semester. But okay. that doesn't include how many times I was informally called to pick him up. That was not an official suspension.
0: Oh. Oh, so if you were to calculate those days in there, what did wow. that look like? I have no idea. You wouldn't remember. Oh, it's so many. Okay,
1: yeah. way too many to count.
0: Oh, jeez. I honestly don't remember. Um, so I just remember yeah. when you were going through all of this, and you were just like, "Oh my gosh." Yes. And I was like, oh. and
3: so I also, um, which we're like yeah, they're
0: second, grade, yeah, and second grade. grade, and
3: to be like suspended that many times as like, a child with autism who doesn't get it, it throws off his routine. So then yeah, when he goes uh-huh. back, it's that much harder for him to get back yeah. in the routine because he's a very routine-oriented kid. And so it throws them each time. And yeah, I was not happy about it at all. And kind of like Christine, I have a background in education. Yeah. And so I But your school counselor background. Yes. I was a I have a master's in school counselor. I was a, a master's in school counseling and I was a middle and high school counselor. Okay. Before I had kids. And then I taught second grade for a year as well. And so I understand coming from the other side that like getting a para, I understand why districts would prefer not to do it it costs them money for one sure. thing yeah. and so i was very okay at the beginning with like let's try all these other accommodations first so para should be the last thing on our list to try and so we did we tried we had so many meetings because he just couldn't stay in gen- the general education classroom for any length of time he was melting down and we had so many meetings we tried so many different things and nothing was working and i was like well can we look at having a para at this point point?" and i was told no repeatedly i was like well what at what point and they're like we have to go through this like 10 step process <laughs> like and his teacher was on board with getting a pair as well but oh, again yeah she's Teachers like are not I, to they're not listened to she's like i she told me in a private conversation she's like i understand that he needs one but as a teacher i can't do much you're the one who's really going to have to advocate for it because i won't be able to get much done from my end because they don't really and the teacher's the oh, one isn't who that has sad? I, it is sad because oh, the teacher's the Lord. one who has them in the classroom. Yeah. she sees what is happening. she knows what supports he needs and yet their opinion's not valued. Well and point. she's being stretched
1: thin yeah, in all fairness to take more care of your child yes. so even the other kids are getting less. Yes and, and so yeah
3: when and so and I think they think that some parents just want a parent to have a parent I was like, I'm a former teacher. I was at the point where I was like, you know, my son's needs are too much to expect his general education teacher to be able to support while teaching the other kids in the class. Yeah. And it's not. And still fair. they weren't acknowledged. They still them? weren't. And so what was happening then is anytime a kid who did have a one-on-one was absent, they would throw that pair with my child. I was like, well, they obviously see the need, yeah. but they wouldn't hire him in his own. It was only when a kid who had one was absent, they would put that pair with my son. I was like, but they wouldn't hire
0: someone for just him. Okay, so, so. Your, your story is really interesting, because for all intents and purposes, your child had a para almost every single day.
3: Well, not at that point yet. Not at that point yet, okay. Yeah, so he, he eventually we eventually did get one, but it was a battle. So then it, it got to the point where they still were refusing to give him a para, and I got to the point of, you know, this is not a successful environment for him. I'm going to pull him in homeschool. It was on a day, it was in December, I was called in to come get him. He was having a really... We had just changed his medication, which I will say kind of set him off. And we have yeah, really talked quickly. about that in a yeah. previous podcast, too, is yeah. that, yeah, it was like, ooh, yeah. dicey. Yeah, so it set him off. So we immediately stopped that medication, but I was called to get him. He was having a really rough time, and I was like, this isn't working. So I basically was like, I'm pulling him and homeschooling him. Um, his wonderful special education teacher is the one who's like, you know... He does well when he's not in general education in her groups in a smaller environment in the resource room. So she's like, well, why don't you at least drop him off for his reading and writing group? And so that's what I did. I homeschooled, so we did a partial school day. He went for an hour and a half for the second half of second grade. He would be in the resource room for his reading and writing group and then in the middle of the two groups because there was like half an hour in the middle, he got his speech in OT and then I would come pick him up and I homeschooled everything else for that whole semester. And then we gradually increased the day towards the end to be at school through lunch. So then we had a meeting, and we're like, we want to increase his day for third grade, but he needs a para to be
0: supported. And you had to initiate that, hey, yeah. we want him in school more. Yes. And they were, was, were they totally receptive to that, or were they like, yeah? Oh, oh they, they were. They were, okay, good. yep. And so they're like,
3: okay. And so we started, and so it was my understanding that he would have a para when he started grade i was told he would have support because you know he had not been in gen ed at all the second half of second grade you're not going to just throw a kid back into gen ed with no support who couldn't do it before
0: so at any point and i'm just i don't know the answer to this um at any point because he was in gen ed and having challenging having challenges Mm -hmm. because of behavior Mm -hmm. did they ever instead in lieu of a one-on-one say hey how about we put him in like more special education, and then just they them. did okay. So he
3: did. So before we pulled him to homeschool, they were pulling him more into the resource room. Okay, but the problem with that is because our school, you know, we have what we call a DLC program, which Can is explain what DLC. I, it's a developed.
0: Developmental learning, learning support center, or learning center, center, yeah. Learning center,
3: yeah, which is for kids, you know, who are a lot further behind IQ. Well, developmentally my, we, delayed. Yeah, developmentally delayed. I'm only
0: saying this is because yeah. every single school district has different, different acronyms for, for And it. so when you're – so yeah. that's why I always like to make sure that we're so talking about what it is. it's a more
3: um, restrictive environment because it's an enclosed classroom for kids who have more of an intellectual developmental delay. And developmental Correct. delay. And my son mm-hmm. has an average IQ. So – even though he would do great in a smaller environment, he doesn't qualify for the one that our school offered. Gotcha. Okay. And so the problem with going into the resource room more is that his resource teacher has other groups.
0: Yeah. And they're and not so, designed yeah, at his they're level. They're not designed
3: at his level. She has kindergartners. She has, so he can't just hang out. He can't just be in there all day. Sure. So she had him, so he was pulled before I pulled him to homeschool as much as she actually could have him in groups that be appropriate. appropriate for him. Yeah. Yes. But there wasn't an option for him because, and that's where he was the most successful because it was a smaller environment, but there were, was no other really good placement option for him. Yeah. I hear and this so, so yeah. much
0: because, you know, and that's the thing Ab- or normal IQ, mm-hmm. um, academically he's very I mean he loves reading Mm -hmm, and that's yeah and that's the thing is it's hard because there's really not good options for those kids that perform at a higher function and ability but yet have need behavior support still have some Some significant challenges
3: challenges, and I think people expect because you know he's smart he reads he's an avid reader and I think people the expectation is that he shouldn't have the challenges he has because he's verbal, he's conversational, yeah. he can do his schoolwork. And his IQ is normal. His IQ is normal. Yeah, yeah, he can he should be able but his behavior, he just gets so overwhelmed and he has such high a lot of his behavior's caused by very severe anxiety. His mm-hmm. anxiety is like off the charts and he doesn't know how to handle it. So when he's anxious, he acts out.
0: Yeah. And so and, so, and also too, yeah. like um, like in our case too. So when you're talking about you know autism in general, but specifically in high functioning autism, one of mm-hmm. the biggest challenges for them is executive function, which is planning, yes. organization, yes. time management. Yeah. And what happens is a key component to that. Is resistance, resistance, because they're mm-hmm. so overwhelmed with how to accomplish a task and how the yes. details for it, how to pull it apart, how that it's like. Then it's that pushback resistance. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it, and then it's that anxiety of the anxiety. Yeah. and He doesn't know how to deal mm-hmm. with anxiety, Correct. and
3: sometimes doesn't realize, you know, I just need a break and stuff. And so they don't know how he, to advocate. that. Yes, and yeah. so that's one thing we're working on. So then we come to third grade, and we get him into school longer. I was told that he would, he should have, he would have support in general ed. First day of school comes and I pick him up and I was like, "How was your day?" and he was like, "I was like, did you have a para with you?" and he's like, "No." I was like, "He." Then he goes on to tell me that he rode the elevator by himself because in third grade they go to the second floor of their building, which the kids are supposed to take the stairs unless they have a physical disability. I was like, "You rode the elevator, you lucky dog!" I know. I was like, "You rode the elevator by yourself?" He's like, "Yeah." And then the other thing is, he had twenty minutes that he was unaccounted for on the first day of school because. In second grade, he only stayed through lunch and then I picked him up. Well, so he was used to that, but he was staying a little bit longer. He still wasn't staying full day, but he was staying through recess now. So he was supposed to go to recess after lunch and he didn't because his routine the year before was to go home after lunch. So, oh, oh yeah. So he went to the office, dropped his stuff off. I was not picking him up yet. And then he went and wandered the building. Oh, nice. So he wasn't outside where he should have been. Um, no and one realized, no one knew about it. Until his um, occupational therapist ran into him in the hall because he was looking for his book that he had left.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah,
3: And so she brought him back down to the office. Yeah. So he wasn't, because I was like, this is why he was supposed to have a one on one because he doesn't, he gets so into the routine, he doesn't have those executive functioning skills to know, like, you know, I need to go outside with my class now, even though we or talked about it. The
0: hey what would you like me to do right now? Yes, I'm not quite sure. Sure, yeah, That's, or that to ask. Something. So yeah. he just
3: wandered the school looking for his book. And
0: yeah, yeah, why I was, like, okay, this, I was like, So how did you make the case? So then what did that look like in terms, I'm guessing they weren't just be like, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You should have a one-on-one. Oh, no, no, no. It so it I went in, easy.
3: I kind of marched in the next day, and I was like, he's supposed to have one. And I, I went into the principal, and I was like, he needs to have one. And so what they did is they did, at that point, managed to find someone who currently there because he was only going to school to 115 at the time because we were doing therapy and they managed to have someone find a pair to go to specialist with them they had specialists first thing in the morning like music PE library Mm -hmm. but when he was in gen ed and then he had his reading and writing group and resource and then he had like a a short period of time in gen ed before lunch and he still did not have a parent and then I was getting called from the school Mm. to come get him and I was like I was like, okay, I was like, does he have a para? And the assistant principal, who was new to the school, so she did not know the previous the year's situation. The back story. Yep. I was like, I was like does, does he have a para? And she's like, no. I was like, well, he's supposed to. And she's like, oh, I did not know that. So I went into the principal, and I said, you know, this isn't fair to his teacher. I'm a former teacher. I basically told her, I was like, I'm going to attend class with him during the time he does not have a para until you find someone. And, and I did. how did they like that? Uh, I don't think she knew what to say. She didn't really say anything. She was like, okay. And so I did. And I called the assistant superintendent of special education, too, and informed him that I was doing this. And so within a week, they found they managed to get more support for him. However, they still didn't hire him uh, one-on-one. They gave him four different pairs for the whole time he was at school. For the half a day he was at school. So for half the day he was at school, he had four different different
1: people eds. working with him. Probably They're during working. different breaks and such. Yes. From other people they'd shove them yeah, in. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So and how I, did
0: you? How did you finally get them to say yes? He does need a para ed, and here's what our plan was: like how many months of the school year? did Okay. It take so for so, them so this was. Uh,
3: this happened in September, still beginning a school year, and so then in October, I basically we had an IEP meeting, and it still wasn't going well. And I told them it was the end of October. And I told him at the IEP meeting, I was like, And was
0: this your regular IEP meeting The no, one that you requested? one that I requested. Okay.
3: And I was like, so he's a kid who does well. He was still struggling immensely even with that pair of support. I was like, he's a kid who f- needs to have, build a relationship with a person before he can trust them. So having four different individuals work with him is not doing that. He needs a consistent person. He needs consistency. And so, I basically, and I'm a pretty even-kill person. I don't you lose my. You are one of the
0: chillest people yes, I know. I do honest. not lose I mean, my Bonnie, temper. I love you because you're my perfect parent. But, like, you know, you're, <laughs> like, you know, you know when you can get fired up. Can't I lose my shit sometimes. Yeah, she loses yes. my shit sometimes. Well, Phil, but I lose very rarely very, <laughs> very very very
3: very lose key. my temper. I lost my temper at an IEP meeting. Ooh. And I kind of yelled at them all.
0: Were they shocked? Because I would be shocked. Oh, if they—they you know, they actually—they like,
3: actually called us up to the meeting because they're like, "This is no longer productive," and we had to stop the meeting. And so, oh, okay. yeah. And then after that meeting, yes, because intense. they were still—I was going to say, I kind of. Well, wish I got I into kind of a big argument with our educational specialist because she was still, but arguing about not having a one-on-one for him that like he didn't need it that he didn't need one consistent person oh yes okay and i was so like so she's not no. saying
0: he doesn't need it he just doesn't want need to have one that's assigned Signed to, him to him yes for consistency yes and i
3: was like well obviously the four different people's not working because i'm still getting phone calls and his behavior charts still like not great
1: and what she's really saying is we don't, don't want to, want to pay no for they, a, they well, don't want to hire someone
3: right. right yeah so after and then i brought out And then I brought out my special education law book during the meeting. And I was like, well, it's, yes. And she told me I couldn't use the book. And I, that's when I really kind of lost it too.
0: Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Let me just clarify. So you had a special education Mm -hmm. law book that you purchased. Mm -hmm. And then they actually told you someone in this IEP meeting Mm -hmm. told you that you could not use the book. Yes, because
3: it's written by Pete Wright. And it's just his interpretation of the law
0: oh i see and i
3: told and i but she was she was an she's an abrasive person who would always cut me off and i was starting to say but she cut me off before i could but it still has the case laws in the back of the book yeah case laws case law yeah case laws case law it doesn't change yes he may have put his interpretation of what this means but in the back of the book it has the written case law but i wasn't even allowed to say that she cut me off and got super defensive because i was challenging But but isn't
1: technically what she's saying do her interpretation?
0: Yes. Well, and here's the thing. You know, having having spent part of my career in the law field, guess what? All of law Law? is an interpretation interpretation, of the case law. Mm-hmm. okay that's what it all is she said it was up to the school districts to to,
3: to determine oh, their deterpre- no. Actually, interpretation of the it's case up law to the
0: judge really yeah, like if I we know. end up going to that point well, they decide which interpretation so this is the meeting so i lost yeah. my temper
3: i was like mm-hmm. you know i don't lose my temper so i we called the meeting off it was no longer productive at this point and i sent an email to the district administrators at the office um saying what had happened and basically said, you know, this, this has happened. This shouldn't have. He needs this. And so then what I did after that is I went over and above our assistant superintendent of special education and emailed directly our assistant superintendent of learning services who's over them. Oh, and yes, the boss and man. Yes. I, and, well, boss woman. Boss woman. woman. Yes. Ooh, I like and it. And so, so her administrative assistant called me and I set up an appointment. So to meet with her in the middle of uh, November. Okay. And... What happened next was three days before I was supposed to meet with her, all of a sudden out of the
0: blue, they hired someone for him. Wait, what? I know. Okay, <laughs> so what I'm hearing, got in trouble? <laughs> I was going to say what I'm hearing is that you just go one step over and yes. uh, that kind of Literally, stuff. I was
3: meeting with her like on a Tuesday and on Friday I found out that they had hired someone for okay, Logan. Okay, okay. So I still you met still with her. You still had the meeting. I okay. still had the meeting. And I what did her, the meeting look like? She was actually very receptive. I said, I told her I felt like I was being pushed out of the school because besides all of this, they were also recommended him for the behavior program during this time as At well. At a different school. At a different school. And I told her, I was like, that's not the least restrictive environment. I'm sorry. A one-on-one in his home school still is. That allows him to be in general education. This is yes. a more uh, restrictive environment, switching him from his home school into a more restrictive classroom. Sure. Um,
0: and again, you are, you know, again, your child is... Um, allowed the least restricted environment Um, and so but you have to kind of make that case Case, because they do tend to want to say oh hey yeah we can accommodate this child but here's where we're going to send them to do it yes
3: and so you then have to and they have a different definition of what they might consider least restrictive and I my argument was least restrictive is his home school yeah if we can keep him in his home school with supports we need to exhaust all avenues of support before we can think about placing him in another
0: school And that's one of those arguments where that's, again, subjective. That's mm-hmm. interpretation. Yes. Is it really, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. So, when I met with
3: her, the, the assistant superintendent of learning services, she was very receptive. I told her what happened. I was like, you know, I don't want the, I basically told her, I was like, we can't change what happened. I just want to make sure in the future that this doesn't happen when I'm told he will have support and then it doesn't happen. And then the whole beginning of his school year is horrible. Yeah. And she's like, I completely understand. She's like, I have a lot on my plate. Let's make sure this doesn't happen in the future. So next year, she's like, she said, email me or call me, and we will make sure to set up a meeting at the end of school and at the beginning of next year to make sure he has his support in place prior to the school year. Oh. Mm-hmm. And that, so has she, she held her word to that? Well, I ended up not having to do it because, fortunately, he has a wonderful special education teacher, and so we made sure... I was able to confirm on our own without having to go go that route. route. And he did start this school year fourth grade with support. And he's back to full day for the first time this year, too.
0: And he has a consistent one-on-one. It's written in his IEP, which was another battle. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about that. Because they did end up hiring someone, um, and this is one of those funny little things. So they did end up hiring someone that was only for your child, and they were with um, your child every single day. And then you specifically wanted the language written in the IEP as Mm -hmm. an accommodation that this person, he has it, and they were not wanting to do that. Yes, and And, they... And the reason why they don't want to do it is Because they don't want to be held legally to it. Because if something else this happened happens, and there's yeah. a, they have another problem, they can be like, oh, hey, we're going to just it's take... It's not written. So there was or no or doc- like with Jackson, how
1: we had to go back once a month to fight for it, then you don't have to because in the IEP, they have to follow that IEP.
3: Mm-hmm. It wasn't documented and they... Our school district doesn't document it for any kid in the district, I found out, so it wasn't just mine. Is that even legal, though? No. So I went to
0: our office OSPI, which yes, is our, like their interpretation yeah, of right. the law. Because <laughs> it just seems a little dirty because, like, okay, you're giving these kids... A, we're acknowledging the fact that they have to have it. They, we've hired people to meet this, you know, to, to do this... You know, um, support for this child, this accommodation for this child, but we are not gonna write it in the IEP because we don't want it to be yes. legal. Yes. And so I wrote a parent. Enforceable.
3: Yes. And I wrote a parent concern letter stating, you know, my goal is not always for my son to have a one on one. I would love for him to get to the point where we can fade support in certain areas. However, when we decide to fade to support, it should be a team decision. Yeah. In order for it to be a de- team decision, it needs to be written into the IEP. Yes. Because I don't want them just to one day, if it's not written, they can just take away his support at Correct. any time without my knowledge. Yes, and I was like, "That's not right." Yeah. So it you needs should to, be able be to be consulted. It has to be yes. recorded. So it has to be a team decision when we decide to do this. Yes. And so I actually had to go above to the state level, to OSPI, to the parent liaison, who was wonderful. Yeah. So when we talk yeah. about OSPI, SPI, so that's Office Superintendent Public, a public inst- Instruction. instruction. Yeah. Yes. And they have a parent liaison on staff who's, unfortunately, he's one person for the whole state. Yeah. Because that makes
0: sense. Yes, Uh, I know.
3: So it took him a little while to get back to me, but he eventually did. And he's like, yes, it should be written into the IEP. And his job- You're hearing
0: it here first, people. It should be written into the IEP. Yes. Now, when I'm imagining when it comes from their office that, hey, school- Well,
3: so his job is, so when I called, I was calling for guidance because you also go to OSPI if you're filing like a complaint or- things like that. I wasn't trying to file I hadn't gotten to the point where I was like I need to file a complaint with them. I just wanted guidance. And yeah. I was like I'm calling and his job is specifically to act kind of as a mediator in between between parents and school districts who have disagreements to try to resolve them without going that route.
0: Without having to file a without having
3: to and file a complaint. It. Yes. And so he oftentimes what he will do is he will contact the school
0: district on my behalf sure. and try to make a resolution. I still have to think that when you get someone from OSPI saying, hey, guys, that and they're saying it really does need to be put in the IEP, like, I feel like that's got to have some weight. Well, so he never ended up
3: talking to our district because what happened is we had a meeting and I informed them that I had been in contact with him and that this is what he said. And I was like, and I told them, I was like, he is willing to contact you and discuss
0: this. And they never went that route and they ended up writing it in. See? Okay, people. Again, I I feel like that is a really good piece of information. Okay? Yeah. All right. So now for you guys, um, just so you guys know, Christine had to leave because it's exceptional hockey team practice today. Um, exceptional hockey team is here in our area we have a special team for individuals with disability to play hockey and so she's heading off to um, um, because she's our team parent coordinator and she's going to be helping volunteers get some ice skates that Isaac Foundation is um, loaning so but for you guys one of the things that Christine pointed that we were talking before we went live is is that you know things that we can be doing um, that helps with school conflict, and one of the things that she was we were talking about before we went live is is that very often um, she goes to people's IEP meetings um, as just a parent advocate support person. Again, Christine, you know, as you know, where's the hat of mom like the rest mm-hmm. of us do? She also was a teacher, but it wasn't like she has a lot of in depth knowledge of IEPs because of her, um, you know, of her her. Career, um, you learn it all really when you're the parent. You do. Yeah, you really do learn a lot when you become the parent of a child with special needs. But so she says that, you know, like uh, her recommendation is that, you know, really have someone um, come with you um, that does have you know knowledge um and it doesn't even have to be someone that's knowledge like bonnie you're you cracked me up when you had your friend come with the briefcase like that is awesome um <laughs> uh, so it, we've proven here it doesn't even have to be someone that actually um has you know in-depth knowledge but have somebody come with you mm-hmm. again because it's a second set of ears they're taking notes and christine says that very often sometimes she'll be like i'm sorry i'm trying to um get this exactly right like why is it that the school is not willing to um accommodate this or the school is unwilling to do x y and z i just want to make sure i'm writing this notes correctly and that type of language she says is really like um, all of a sudden well I'm not saying it's not possible I'm not saying it's impossible I'm just saying that she's like, okay I just want to make sure I'm properly noting what your language is as to why you're not wanting to do X, Y, or Z. And so I think that is very powerful. What other things do you guys think? Personally, my big thing is, is uh, and Tony, you and I were talking the other day when we were in the office, I have my IEP notebook, and I feel like that really yes. is an intimidation factor. In there, I also keep you know the disclosure statements of what my rights are. I have other things there where it's like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm hearing this, but like I'm pretty sure there's something in here. Hold on. What page is this? In terms of what my child's right is to a free and appropriate education, and so I have some of that those pages printed off in the very front, so I can make sure that I'm referring or asking them. Now, where do I find this? What you're telling me? Where? What? What? what you know? What, what site is that? So that I can make sure that I, I'm reading up on it to make sure I understand it, because that does. Definitely um, clarify, oh, okay, so this is someone that does take those disclosure statements serious. Um, You know, so I have all my evaluations in there. Um, I don't just rely on the school evaluations. Um, I do take my child and have um, outside one son so I can compare, especially if there's going to be an issue in terms of whether they qualify or not qualify. Because part of the process is, is that you have to prove why it is that you're asking for what you're asking for. And so if you're having some, an outside source that's outside of your school district and it's not like, well, because as a parent, I feel like my child needs this. Here's some of the um, assessments that I have paid for with my own money um, to, you know, like assess what this deficit is and why I think that this would be an appropriate sport. So what other things do you guys feel have been helpful um, when you're having conflict with school administrators?
1: Um, I try to keep a really, um, really open at the school, um, and so, like, of course, you meet with the teachers, and and I try to keep a really open conversation that I'm open to what they're talking about, that they're open to what...
0: Oh, yeah, talk about your, like, your strategy. That you're not, you don't go in there acting like you know everything. Right. I mean, sometimes you
1: want to go in there like, you know, you you have no clue what's going on. Let them feel that they're powerful and that you know nothing. And then, if need be, you can come in with stuff. But sometimes you can get things, you know, how you need them. I also bribe a lot of people with, like... Um, Every holiday, Ooh, every nice, day, I nice do, presents. I do cards, I do gift cards, I do at candy.
0: What at level do you? How high up do you go? Well, Just teachers and support staff. Yeah. Okay. okay.
1: Sometimes the school, you know what I mean, like cookies for their school, mm-hmm. you know, and they put in their little break room, you know. But also, speaking of like the support mm-hmm. staff. Um, the teachers don't always have open conversations with um, all of the support staff about your child. And so what I've actually requested before is can I have a meeting with the music teacher, the art teacher, the PE teacher... And I didn't know how that was going to go. I was really nervous. And um, they were so appreciative.
0: I've always gotten. I always that, have. Yes, I yeah. have. Um, I do meetings with the PE teacher, his art teacher. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, too, and, you know, when he also was getting, uh, he had a separate science teacher and it was always I think they were actually really flattered that I took the time and wanted yes. to talk to them and just find out how is it going and they, they you know, they know talking, I mean? they're like
1: nobody ever yes. asked to, to, talk, to talk to us I and, and for me because there was some issues in certain of those classes mm-hmm. so for me to instead of saying to the teacher hey can you go to the PE teacher and tell them is for me to be able to say so what are the problems how can we resolve this mm-hmm. and have a meeting with them it actually helped
3: a lot of his day because he does go to those yeah, places yeah. during the day. Did you do the same thing? No, I didn't. However, I'm the parent who is always at the school. So, Ooh, so well, that, is that one of your strategies is be present, be well, visible? Well, first off, I started off as a volunteer and then last year I got hired as a substitute. Ooh. So I sub for teachers and paras only at my kids' school. So this year, especially because they've been a little short-handed on paras, I've subbed a lot. Oh. So I see all his teachers all the time.
0: Yeah. yeah, and so
3: I have like that constant automatic like communication because I right. always see them.
0: Yeah. So is there a trick? Do you feel like? Because Bonnie, you made a really good point that. um sometimes what the teachers and the paras would recommend, they're not really listened to in the IEP process mm-hmm. because it comes more from that administrative perspective of, you know, we can't accommodate this because of staffing, because yes. of resources, la, la, mm-hmm. Is there, have you ever found that there is an effective way, Bonnie, you talked about when you guys went to mediation, you had the teacher come in and she actually got to talk about what she felt was in your child's best interest. Is there, beyond that, is, have you guys figured out a way to get, to be able to have the teachers weigh in more, that helps support on an administration I, level.
3: I haven't figured that out, but I really wish you know. I feel like sometimes I wish teachers could weigh in more without the fear of retaliation yes. for doing right. so. That's right. what I'm. That's what I. A- feel and like. I feel
1: like um, it is each teacher because, like. Um, I've had teachers where I automatically say, is there a parent way to do this first? Because I don't want to cause problems with teachers. Yeah, no, teacher. that's me too. And, and uh, if they say yes, okay, let me go and do yes. this. And then sometimes the teachers will be like, but just so you know, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to go to bat for your kid. I think your kid needs this. And but and I get it. It's intimidating. Some people are not up for that intimidation. Yeah. And I get that. And I've been very, very lucky at this new school Is they even let me be involved in what teacher, what class he goes into the next year. Oh, really? Like, what do they, what class do they think would be most appropriate? Mm -hmm. What, um, where do they think what friends would be most appropriate in his class? Oh, no Because he only relates to a couple kids, Mm -hmm. so by sticking them together, um... That well, here's the thing. Really if they good. work
0: well with certain students, it makes sense that because of their needs and their sensory profiles, they're going to continue to do well together. Right. Um, and so... And, we, and
1: their ESL students yeah. is who he... Oh. Who's who he... You know, because he has a hard time with... He and ESL a, stands for English as a second language. Right. Yes. And so he has a hard time communicating in a different way because of his autism, and they have a hard time because they're learning English. Yeah. So, it, so he really tends... These three boys and him have just um there's these three martialian boys that have just really locked on to him and so they've really made it that for the last 3 years they've got to stay together Oh, that's nice. and that was really, really nice. has yeah. helped him cuz there was issues in at recess and th- cuz he doesn't know how to how do you socialize with people but he already knows with these boys yeah. so it's bit, so some of those things and do they have to do those things no but that's what i think that the schools need to realize is by just making a simple yeah. accommodation like that it didn't cost any extra yeah. money you just you really could make a whole yourself it's, it's, it's easier on them because mm-hmm. it's it's a putting them in an environment where there's less problems so really by them mm-hmm. making
0: simple accommodations half yeah. the time yeah. it, it makes it easier one of the th- but they always yeah. think that that's just going to open the door that every parent's gonna require their kid being with this kid and then how do you also too and you know because I have situations where you know you have families that are frustrated because they don't want their child in the same classroom with another child because of the behaviors and then it's dysregulating to their child and then how does the school district manage that? I mean, that mm-hmm. is just something where... So they oftentimes yeah. just say, nope, we're not going to let parents have yeah. any input whatsoever.
3: Well, yeah, we... um My son's special education teacher, him picks his teacher based on, you know, her knowledge of the teachers and who will work best for him. Yeah. But the other thing that's helped my son tremendously, which some parents don't always want to do this, but for me, the fact that my son has autism still, even though he's verbal... It's very obvious yeah. because of the behaviors. So yeah. I go into his class every year and I read a story to the class on autism. Yeah, and it has helped tremendously. Like mm-hmm. third grade, his classmates were wonderful with him yeah. when he was having issues at recess with kids from another class. They stood up for him. They went and told the school social worker. They told my me. They told the
0: teacher. Mm-hmm. And they, I'm with you on that one too because yeah. you know, and I I work with a lot of families that are are have difference of opinion on this Um, on the topic of whether or not you yeah so I have some families that they really want the diagnosis to be kept private and it's only to be shared actually it's not even shared with all of the individuals at the child's school necessarily do you know what I mean like certain staff members know what the diagnosis is I mean if there's accommodations here's the accommodations Mm -hmm. but we don't have to tell you why Mm -hmm. Um, because they don't want their Mm -hmm. child labeled and and I do understand that concern but I'm with you Tanya I have always With every single class, I've always been open to Mm -hmm. the, you know, here is how we have explained to Caleb... I ask Logan, autism. too.
3: I ask him. I was like, is it okay for me to do this? Because if it's not okay with him, then I wouldn't.
1: And, and Jackson actually participates. We do that, too. And he yes. actually participates. We made a board, yeah. and he helped make it, and we participate in the class discussion. Mm-hmm. And he also helps tell his friends how his brain works yes. and how it, you know. But you
0: know where I think that it works is, and why they're comfortable with it is because we don't treat it as though it is, like, mm-hmm. something to be ashamed of. Yeah. That this is what makes you unique and awesome. And here's the things that you are really, you do fantastic and here's, yeah, we have some struggles with like, you know, Caleb doesn't like losing and he trouble, he struggles, you know, just making new friends and there's, the, you know, he has a lot of sensory issues and so, you know, we do therapy because we're working on those things but we really highlight the fact that you know, autism is just an aspect of you. It doesn't yes. define you. It just, it explains why some things are really easy and why mm-hmm. some things are a little bit challenging. And we use the Xbox and PS4 analogy for Caleb. Um, you know, it's just different processor. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to play with your Xbox friends, that's the brain processor, um, then you have to be willing to make some changes so that you can play using that game that game console. Um, now, your friends, if they want to, you know, play with you then they need to be willing to play that ps4 game console it's a different you know like um you know uh Game uh, controller, and so there's just things that we have to be conscious of because everybody's different. And when you start giving everybody the language to understand it, we're not stigmatizing. It's not stigma. We're not stigmatizing mm-hmm. any of it. We're just saying open language, open communication. This is what it is. Here's good terminology. Here's you know how Caleb refers to it. You know, and Caleb understands that autism is not an excuse. It just means that some things that we have to work harder and we have to get creative to work around it. Yes. And so that's where um, we have never, ever, ever had an issue with it whatsoever. And And so, but I do understand why some families have, um, choose choose the other direction. They just want their child to be treated as though there's nothing, um, you know, that they're not any different than any other student. And they have the right, and they have the right to confidentiality. And, you know, my philosophy is the day that Caleb starts being uncomfortable about being open about that, well, then I will absolutely respect that. But. Caleb is actually make sure, like we did a horseback riding camp, and he says, mom, um, did you let them know that like, you know, my um, talking style is different? And, you know, the way that, you know, I just need things to be really specific when people are talking to me. I'm like, yep, I, I got it. I did it. I explained to them, too, the different sensory things that make you really like um, anxious, Mm -hmm. uh, covered all of it. I explained that you may need your headphones and, you know, sometimes you need to see it done first before then he, you know, he shouldn't be first. You know, I said, I got it all. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, you know, just does that check. Now we're working on transitioning into him being comfortable to relay that information, but because of executive function and some of his expressive language processing, it's still difficult. So we have other supports in place, but um, you're absolutely right. It's just, um, you know, we've never, I've never regretted, you know, sharing it and just being open and honest and Mm. positive language to describe it. It's really positive I always tell Logan
3: his autism superpower is his memory because he has an amazing memory.
0: Yes. And, you know, Caleb gets frustrated, though, when you're talking about that. Caleb has an amazing memory, too, when it's things that are in his wheelhouse. When it's not, he gets really frustrated, like with times tables. He has dyscalculia, which is basically dyslexia when it comes to numbers. And so while he gets so frustrated with himself because he really struggles with... um, You know, math operations and the times tables and all of that, and so, you know, so why, you know, why can I remember all this other stuff so easily, but then this other stuff I can't, Mm -hmm. and so that's where we had to just be really um, clear in terms of why. So, um, anyway, so with that, um, anything else we're forgetting in terms of, um, you know, is there anything that if you were, if anybody's listening here, that you would. That you that maybe you did or something you experienced that you would just say that is a regret and if you could go back and do something differently along this journey you would do something differently um, you know I yell I you know I always tell parents, you know, when you go into an IEP meeting, like, don't be adversarial, because if you go in there adversarial, then they're going to immediately take offense to it, and it's going to be that heightened sense of, like, just um, everybody is defensive, and yet I violated my own rule. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I totally did it. That was me, and I will tell you, I, I, I do regret it, because I will tell you, it immediately changed the tone there on out in terms of my interactions with that school district. Um, we since moved districts, but Um, And so that is one thing is, um, was I right? I do believe I was right um, because there was an issue with, you know, they had lied to me and not, and not been a hundred percent honest with me. And that set the tone for then I didn't trust and I verified everything. And that became really adversarial because they felt like, you know, I was constantly, you know, trust, but, you know, verify, and it, um, so then every IEP meeting, I mean, I had the principal there, I had pretty much every person that you could think of from a district, per, like, level B there, and it was all because I felt like I couldn't trust them, and so, but I could have handled it differently, I could, didn't have to shout at them, because, um, I do feel like that's really set a very negative tone the entire time we were there. So Now, with that being said, I have actually done repair with the um, individual, again, that I had the issue. When we had uh, coffee time, and it was fantastic um, to just be able to say I'm really sorry about that on a personal level. Like, I'm not in your school district anymore, and, you know, like, we had a nice kumbaya, hugged it out, and um, so all is well. But anything that you guys can think of that, um, of what not to do?
1: Um, I mean, I think you're, you're definitely right. The the way you go in and try to be positive and try to be open-minded that even if it might not be the exact same thing that you walked in, you know, wanting to be open-minded to their ideas too, because they might have an idea that you didn't think of, or that might be a little bit different. And, um, so I think that's really important. And remember that you have a voice. And, and you don't have to accept no, or you don't have, I mean, you don't need to go in there being mean, but you do have a voice, you do know your kid yes. better than anybody else, and um, just make sure that no matter what, whether it's your idea or their idea, the number one thing is that your kid's getting what your kid needs. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And sometimes I like to call our IEP meetings, like, problem-solving sessions. Ooh, language. Because You're right. some of them, is because sometimes when I, if I'm calling a meeting that's not our annual, it's usually because there's something happening that we need to address and figure out. And it's like, well, I, I might have some ideas, but I want to hear what your ideas are too. Let's try them. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Then we can come back at the table and see what's working, what's not. I yeah. mean, we all come Ooh. to the table with different experiences and different ideas and we need to problem solve. You know, why is this behavior happening? What can we do to help this behavior? Sure. And improve and everyone's going to have, I might have some ideas, but they might have ideas too. And being open to that and to trying other people's ideas as well.
0: Yeah. I'm with you just, on that one is, is that um, when we switched school districts, I was like going in there and this is how we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, and then I was just absolutely taken aback by the fact that his teacher was like amazing. And it was just like all, she had so many great ideas, but again, I wasn't expecting it because she's yeah. gen ed. Yeah. And so in my mind, I'm like, Oh, you, you don't really know what we're talking about here because you're a gen ed teacher. And you know, it, my, you know, I had a preconceived mm-hmm. idea, and I'm telling you what, most amazing human being ever, and she, again, Jen ed, fantastic ideas, um, she seamlessly integrated um, things and supports that I never in a million years would have even thought. And so, you know, even a person like myself where I feel like, you know, I've been around the block a time or two, and of course I have, I am really lucky because I hear about a lot of other people's train wrecks, and I also hear about a lot of other people's uh, successes that I feel like I know better than um, most, and so I was telling, I tell you what, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to check myself because there are some really amazing Jenna teachers out there there that have fantastic ideas that I would have not even considered, so... All right, well, we will wrap up. This was a really long podcast. It's like an hour, 20 minutes long. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know it because I feel like when you really start diving into it, it's a real charged um, topic. topic. Um, I had other parents that had wanted to also be here because believe me, I'm not here to tell you that there it, it doesn't happen because it does. But I also will tell you that there I have a lot of families that have had nothing but positive IEP experiences and have not had to um, experience in some of these uh, challenges. And so, you know, don't get discouraged and don't think that it is always going to be a challenge because um, my positive IEP experiences and special education experiences far outweigh my challenges. Just Mine so, too. Yeah, so I just want to be very clear that we're not trying to paint a very doom and gloom perspective of special education and the system. Um, but what this podcast is intended to do is that, you know, give you... Um, at least a perspective in terms of what some of us have experienced and things that we have found that were successful um, so that it will help you navigate that system. So we will wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.